0: All right, welcome back to Front Porch Theology. I am Heather. I'm your host.
1: Hey Heather, I'm Will.
0: And I we have um <laughs> we have a special guest here with us today. Um, we um are going to be focusing on grief today in our podcast, and we have a special guest guest. Her name is Beth, and I'm going to let Beth introduce herself and uh, what organization she works with, and just tell us a little bit about herself. Okay. Hey, I'm Beth Chaponi I am a bereavement counselor
2: at Hospice of Huntington. And I have always wanted to work for Hospice of Huntington ever since I was young. I lost my sister to suicide at 13, and a bereavement counselor from hospice came to my school and talked to me. And I went to the camp, the grief camp that they had, and I went back as a volunteer several times, and I completed my field placement for my um, grad program with hospice. So it's just something I've always wanted to do and something I've always felt really strongly
0: about. Awesome. So um, I love that um, you actually, you know, I, I think uh, Will said it earlier when we were just talking, um, our, both of us and even a lot of our listeners um, have received services um, and hospice has been a huge part of our families um, and, you know, church members and stuff, just um, hospice taking care of them. And um, we love hospice. Um, I, I can't say that enough. Like my all of my family in Logan, um, hospice has been has taken care of most of my family's my uh, family members who have passed away um so we're going to uh, we're just going to get right into it and i'm going to ask you um i'm going to let you just talk a little bit about what grief is beth for people who may not um i mean i'm sure a lot of people know what grief is but just kind of talk about how grief looks differently Um, and it doesn't just it doesn't just fit in a box um everybody's looks the same
2: Uh, Well, grief is the emotional journey we take when we lose someone we love. And unfortunately, that's the price of loving someone is that hurt and pain whenever they leave this earth. Um, Really, what we say about grief is um, it follows kind of like a dual process model. Um, We used to say that it follows stages Um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said that we would follow stages like denial, anger, sadness. We really don't think that now uh, because we know that everyone's different and they don't necessarily follow a certain pattern or order to their emotional journey. Uh, So we use the dual process model of grief to kind of explain that to people. And what that looks like is almost like a Venn diagram of loss-oriented responses and restoration-oriented responses and the loss-oriented responses would be kind of the, uh, the negative things, the negative coping skills, uh, uh, secluding, um, kind of really retreating into yourself, separating yourself from family and friends and things that you love. So those would be all the negative aspects. And the restoration-oriented is the things that are moving you forward in your grief, uh, reaching out to people, reaching out to your pastor, um, getting closer with your church family is a great way. Um, really, all of that—reading uh, the Word and seeing what the Bible says about grief and and pain and suffering—those are
0: great ways to to move forward. Okay, that's that's really good. I'm glad you mentioned all of those things. Um, I I kind of wrote down um, just kind of preparing for this. So, like, we death is an obvious, you know, grief is obvious with death. Um, but I also put like broken relationships and. Um, and like financial hardships and like you can also grieve um dreams that you know can't can't be seen um can't be brought into fruition um i know you all don't really cover those things but grief can be a grief like you said is not just um one thing and you can't just kind of put it all into one box so i think that there's also a kind of a different kind of grief that um where you have to grieve different things um, that aren't just death. You want to talk about that a little bit, Will? Yeah,
1: I mean, well, grief is an emotion that is, um, first of all, it's prevalent in the Scriptures. Um, so I, I think the most prominent understanding of grief is, and, and probably most people's understanding, is when someone dies and, and we are faced with how do we cope with that. But um, but also you see, uh, like you said, a lot of other indicators and examples of grief. But then in, in Scripture, um, I think it's interesting that um, numerous times in the Bible we're told that that God is grieving, yeah. um, and so grieving on God's behalf is not is not really um, because of any loss. I mean, God doesn't doesn't really lose anything. Um, he's he's he. You know, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which um, means you know it's the redneck way of saying he owns everything. So it's all his. But um, but God grieves in a, in a sense that things bring deep upsetting feelings in an emotion of a holy God and that's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around that, a, that an all-perfect yeah. all-knowing all-powerful God can actually be um, upset at something and so all the time in the Old Testament when the Israelites aren't doing what they ought to do it says that they're, they're that the Lord is grieving over that um, and then I think on a small scale like even you know those of us who have kids we can we can understand that like when our kids are acting like hellions we can we can grieve the fact that they're Absolutely. you know yeah <laughs> (laughs) We can grieve a a lot lately, right? We can we can grieve the fact that they're they're not doing what they ought to do. So, um, it's an emotion that's important. It's 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 an emotion that exists in um, in God's character and and the character of our Creator, and that's why I think it's interesting that so many people try to just suppress grief and not express grief um, because it is something that should be expressed. And Beth, I like that you pointed out that. that not everybody agrees in the same way, and you know that there. I guess there used to be a, a common teaching that it, there's all these kind of steps and processes in grief, and um, and I think I've you know even just in pastoring I think I've encountered people that have just kind of blown up the the model of what traditional grief looks like because yeah it, people are going to handle it vastly different.
0: Well, and I think that's really good. Um, Like, I think we're all wired differently. You know, we weren't meant to be the same person. So, like, that's, um, I think they've probably just taken a process. And, like, like you said, you've adapted a different system now. Um, And I think that's something that as we get older and um, things change and we learn a lot more in society, like, you're able to adapt those things. Um, And I'm sure that that was helpful. Um, That was a helpful tool to have when you had nothing to go on. And now it's like you have to take counseling for grief in a whole different approach because everybody's different. Everybody's, um, I mean, some people go through different stages and some people, I mean, some people just don't even go through the same, um, the same steps of grief like the, the step system used to be, so. Right, and it, I think it's, it's important for me to mention because
2: it's a common misconception, but um, we do validate all forms of grief. And so mm-hmm. we do um, provide bereavement services for different kinds of grief, like oh, loss of a job, loss of a home. It's all grief, yeah. and it, it's all valid, and it deserves to be addressed. So that's why we offer that for all forms of grief. That's awesome. Really,
1: I didn't know that. That's, yeah, I'm I'm so glad to be like learning. Yeah, it's, uh, seriously. It's I mean,
0: there's so many people who um, that's
1: like like it's a good thing to know. Especially yeah, it as is. A because, yeah. So
0: So we're, we're actually making like a, we're trying to make a resource bank too, um, just Mm -hmm. to kind of, um, put what organizations and therapists and things that we know, um, are good sources. So we are actually really glad you're here to learn. I'm experiencing
1: a little grief Uh right now from Jeremy not being here.
0: Oh geez. (laughs) miss him. Well, I can't say the same thing, so (laughs) I validate your grief, but I do not. Thanks for, thanks for understanding I do not. I do not feel the same grief. So it is kind of lonely without him, though, isn't it? It's a lot more peaceful. It is. It's, I don't feel like we're as angry. I feel like the. Well, you're
1: not stressed out either. That's like true. I, I'm not. I think this I shows. I think
0: I'm sweating right now, but not like abnormal sweat like yeah, last week.
1: Yeah, but I, yeah, but I think this shows <laughs> that the source of of worry. And your soul really comes from Jeremy <laughs> and not knowing what he'll say on a podcast.
0: Not knowing what Jeremy will say. So, okay. Well, um, we had, um, like like with our mental health and some of our other topics, um, I put out a post on Facebook just to ask some of our friends and listeners um, what questions they may have for Pastor Will or even for Beth about grief. And we have um, one, two, we have about six or seven questions. So, um So I'm just going to kind of um, go through here, and Pastor Will's going to kind of take the lead on some, but uh, Beth is going to take the lead on most of them. So um, how can you help someone during their grieving process?
2: Well, um, what we say, the best thing that you can do for anyone is to listen. And when you listen, you need to be present. Really listen to what they're saying and feeling, and don't pass judgment. Because what they're thinking and feeling is not going to be the same thing that you're thinking and feeling. And you may feel like, oh, they should feel this certain way or they should react this certain way. But that's that's not the case because everyone internalizes things differently emotionally. So the best thing you can do is absolutely just to listen and be present. And then when appropriate, help them
0: seek help. So, Will, I think the last podcast you had actually talked about how it's not good for us to kind of put ourselves... Yeah, like make their problem our problem that's uh, right
1: that's one of the worst things you can do is is if, if someone's lost a mother to say oh i lost my mother too and so we're in the same we're in the same boat um, because it's not the same boat because because like beth pointed out everyone processes things differently everyone's relationships are infinitely Absolutely, complex yeah. and different as well so um, your relationship with your mom might be different from their relationship with, with their mom and so you you can't just unilaterally say uh, we have a complete understanding of the same thing you're going through and so I, I think the most helpful advice I've been given as a pastor by other pastors um, and counselors as well is, is is like Beth said that you're, you're really there to listen um, more than more than advise um, because because they have to be whoever's grieving has to be the source of their own healing in a sense um, and then as a, and from a Christian standpoint obviously it's going to Come from God. It's going to be directed by the Holy Spirit in them if they are Christian. But um, but you're you really going to have to really, as a from a pastor's perspective, lean into them and say like, okay, you need to be talking with the Lord. You need to let the Holy Spirit lead you in how to how to be comforted in this time. Share encouraging scriptures. Um, the Bible tells us that the Lord is close to us when our hearts are broken. Um, Psalm 34 says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and so just reminding people of that that's really the only advice I'm going to give when someone's yeah. grieving I'm not, I'm not going to say well you should try this or you should do this or, because I, I don't know what's going to make them feel good and my mom is is really great at this and she's led by example for me in a lot of situations but I've heard her say um, to grieving families a lot whatever makes you feel better like and and that's and that's true I mean um, different people's gonna be different things
0: yeah that's good okay so um, what are some ways that you can move forward after the loss of a child the
2: most important thing is to acknowledge the loss because a lot of people will maybe dismiss it as not as significant of a loss as if you lost a parent or a sibling <laughs> that child or if the child is, was older right or if the yeah. child is older um that child is is a child as soon as the conception occurs in a lot of ways in in a lot of opinions um so you love that child from the moment you conceive so that you know that that's real grief it, it deserves validation it deserves acknowledgement that
0: um go ahead Willano. yeah
1: i was just going to jump in and say um particularly yeah, death of unborn children is something that that as a church we take very seriously because like beth mentioned um it's not it's not the overarching view in our society but it is a view that we hold to scripturally that um that life does begin at conception and so miscarriages are a very real form of of loss and um and we try to acknowledge that as such and and so um yeah just coming to families and saying hey what's gonna what's gonna make you feel most comforted at this time how can we help with this and um, memorial services and, and things like that are deeply important I think and so we try to be there for that and then um, like you said sometimes it may be an, old, an elderly person that's losing a child um, and and it's important for us to not you know whether it's whether it's in the womb or an, an elderly person that's passing away and their parents still alive there's something so unnatural I think or, or maybe maybe so unexpected um, from a parent losing a child it's yeah. we as parents I think we always expect um, to pass before our children. And when, when a child passes, it's just, it's so unexpected. Um, and, and it makes it that much more traumatic for us.
0: Oh yeah. You know, I, I think that's our hope as parents, you know, that, you know, that we pass before our kids so that we don't have to experience the grief and the loss, um, and the hurt and the pain of that. So, um, I actually, um, actually um asked um a, le- a few people who i know who've um you know either had uh, miscarriages or stillbirth um you know what was what was the worst thing that somebody did and what was mm. the best <clears throat> and most That's helpful good. thing that somebody did um and the most the most helpful thing was um was was like what you said beth was acknowledging The loss, Um, You know, if that child has a name, if it's, you know, if it's porn and, you know, acknowledging that that birth and the name of that child and not avoiding it and pretending like they didn't exist. Right. um, Like given being able to talk about it, because um, it's kind of like they, you know, you had them and then it's like people, people pretend like it never happened. And that's I think that's like the hardest thing for. A lot of parents and then the she you know the one of the most hurtful and not helpful ways was you know saying oh you can try again and especially with like miscarriage and stillbirth and stuff you know it wasn't in God's timing and um, you know those things I think we um, I think as Christians we try to Um, grief is kind of unexpected and because circumstances are so different with everybody, um, everybody's grief, like we try to say things that are comforting, but I think that's, we can sometimes be very hurtful, um, in those things. So do you have anything to say about that?
2: Well, um, what I would say about that for anyone that's experiencing that is don't be afraid to reach out for help and don't think that your grief is so overwhelming that you can't be helped. Because there's even um, a psychological component to it. The chemical makeup in our brain changes when we go from pregnant to not pregnant. And that really can impede the grieving process. You know, it, it alters your hormones. so it alters your ability to process through emotions, positive and negative. So reaching out for help is not disgraceful. It's not to be shunned or shamed. Uh, it's really just a natural, part of life when you're when you're in trouble you reach out for help yeah
0: that's good
1: and from from a gospel perspective i would add to that life is created for the purpose of eternity not for the purpose of time on earth and so um so there's something in the sovereignty of god that when god creates um a, a baby a new life at conception that even if even if that child is never born, even if that child never walks, God has created a soul for eternity, right. and there's there's something special about that, um, and and that's one thing I've always tried to emphasize to uh, to parents who have lost a child before birth, um, is that you know at a, at a funeral we will typically celebrate life of someone. We will will acknowledge accomplishments and things that they did in their life, and um, one thing that I always try to Uh, reiterate um, is that uh, like a baby notices light at 15 weeks um, that a baby begins to hear his or her mother's a heartbeat at 19 yeah. weeks. And, and so like those accomplishments, like like God allowed those things to happen. And then even though that baby may have never um, lived in your home, that that is an eternal soul that, that you'll be able to be with in eternity. And so um, I, I think just acknowledging those things are helpful. And, and it reminds us of our place. Um, it doesn't minimize our loss, but it reminds us of our place in yeah. um, eternity rather than just the temporal. Right. No, and that's,
0: you know, I think, um, so for me, like this time of year, like, I'm, I'm kind of like most people. You kind of have, like, mixed emotions because you know all the pain and suffering. And, you know, I even have experienced my own pain and suffering. Um, but there's something about this time of year right now, like, right now in this season of life that I'm going through, the word hope at Christmas. Yeah. And, that, like, the the lyrics, um, A Thrill of Hope, like, keep mm-hmm. going through my mind right now. And I love what you said, Will, because that, that gives us hope. That gives us more hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, not not just that we want to live in eternity with, with God, and uh, you know, but, you know, that gives us hope of where our, you know, where our child may be and uh, where our child is and, you yeah. know, just um, for somebody who has had a, had a miscarriage, uh, that gives yeah. me actually a lot of, well, that gives like, me a lot of hope. And I,
1: I did a funeral one time for a family um, for their daughter that passed away. I think she was four, she may have been five, but very young and she had passed away and I just remember the the question they kept asking was why would God create her for just for 4 years. Yeah. And and like with as much love as possible I'm like he didn't. He didn't just create her for 4 years. He created her forever. Like she yeah. like she is an eternal being and um I I think just reorienting our minds to that can yeah, be difficult actually, but it's it's so important for us to remember.
0: Well, I think you know, especially like at the beginning of the loss, like you're in shock, mm-hmm. and right. but, me mean, like as you go through your grieving process, and you can kind of, um, you know, time kind of elapse. You know, I, um, I hate the say, I hate the saying, "Time heals all wounds." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but time actually gives you, you know, as long as. As long as you are clinging to Jesus and that time can actually help you realize and see that you have hope and that we were made for eternity, not, you know, yeah. not for here on earth. And that's actually, you know, what Billy Graham said about beautiful that. beautiful thing. That's one of
1: my favorite Billy Graham quotes. He said, Tom doesn't heal anything. It's what you do with the time that heals. That's good. I thought yeah. that was yeah. very no, that's, insightful. That's actually Pastor Graham. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I like old Billy. Don't you be <laughs> face making <laughs> right now at him?
1: No, I, I love Billy Graham.
0: Okay. All right, we're going to move on to the next question. So, um, this one I thought was kind of... Um, and Beth, I'm sorry, I I started at the bottom of the list instead of the top of the list of the questions for you. And um,
1: you're the host; you get to do whatever you want. I know, yeah.
0: but she has a list of the questions, and I'm kind of oh. I might have thrown her off a little bit. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to let her questions. know. Not yeah, <laughs> I don't give you anything. Nope. You're you wouldn't read it if I did. So, um, so why does some grief swallow you up? While others can, while other griefs you can deal with.
2: Well, what really affects how you grieve in that sense is the relationship you had with that person, whether it was a positive relationship or a negative relationship, if you were close or not close, if that was your mother versus your cousin. You know the the emotional connection to that person is what determines whether it becomes also overwhelming or it seems a little bit easier to handle it It really just depends on the relationship you have with that person is what it boils down to
0: okay so um I, one one thing that I think, and I didn't write this down, I'm sorry, so like for me um just just personally, and I'm not gonna talk a lot about it, but like so um, I had a miscarriage. Um, Like a year or two before I had my son, Benjamin. And um, I kind of was unhealthy anyway, just like (laughs) um, I wasn't in the healthiest spot, like mentally and emotionally and probably even spiritually. Um, So like when I had a miscarriage, like I was, I kind of just... I kind of pretended like it didn't happen. um, Cause, you know, for me, like you got to keep going, just don't think about it. It'll be fine. And then it wasn't until after I had Benjamin that um, I kind of, it was actually like two years ago that I like at the time that I had had the miscarriage, like, you know, the anniversary date or whatever. um, Like I, I really had a hard time with my grieving. So talk about that, how like you can go through different stages of grieving and at different times or different memories.
2: Well, um, in a situation like that, um, a lot of times when you first lose someone, uh, there is a response system in in the limbic system of the brain which is designed to protect us from pain and suffering. And what it does is it, it tries to shield you. It's it's like a defense mechanism that automatically will kick in, and that will kind of give you that feeling of, of numb or unaware or kind of in a fog. And it's, it's designed to protect you. And when that fog lifts, that's when that reality sets in that the loss is real, that the pain is real, and that's when it becomes really overwhelming. So that's kind of how that plays out as far as, you know, feeling numb or not feeling like it's real and then being hit with all of the emotions. That's good. Okay.
1: That's interesting. I've never really heard that. Um, so, again, I, I love what we're learning today. But, but it validates, I think, what I've seen as a pastor that um, – you know, I think a lot of times when someone loses someone, um, most of the grief comes like after the funeral. Yeah. Like it's leading up to it. It's just like you use the word numb, Beth. Like they just there's just this numbness. Uh, you know, they might not talk about it very much. They might they might be very closed off. I'll, I'll ask some questions. You know, and how are you doing? You know, is there something I can? Do? It's like fine. You know, I'm okay. And then I've seen. You know, afterward after after the meals, after the funeral's over, after people stop asking, then it's like then it just sets in heavy, you know. Um, maybe maybe that limbic system's wearing off a little bit, and they begin to kind of focus their mind on the loss.
2: Definitely, and from a lot of people I've actually talked to, the third year seems to be one of the hardest years because that's really? when. The fog is lifted and the reality sets in. All the people stop coming with the meals. Wow, yeah. People stop reaching yeah, that, out with calls because I mean, they think was, you should be over it by yeah. now when yeah. you're not. And that's okay. There's right. no time frame on grief. You could have a loss two days ago and grieve, or you could have a loss 30 years ago and still be grieving. Yeah. All right. And that's okay as long as you're moving forward with your grief. Yeah. Because healthy grief is, is moving constantly. Unhealthy grief is stagnant. Yeah, where you're you're still stuck in that same spot and you're not moving forward or backwards. You're just kind of there. Yeah, And so we really want you to be working towards moving forward, and that's where the loss-oriented re- and restoration-oriented experiences come into play with the dual process model because the goal is to be experiencing the majority of the restoration-oriented responses yeah. versus the loss. That's good. Can
1: you talk a little bit, Beth, about how unhelpful it is when, when people have the mindset of they should be over it?
2: Right. It's very unhelpful. It's actually it can cause a lot of um, emotional turmoil and distress for someone because then they start to blame themselves and feel guilty that they're not over Over it. it, yeah. Yeah. When, in fact, you you might feel as strongly on day one as you do 15 years in. But the the goal is to get to a point where you're able to celebrate the life more than mourn the loss yeah and and when you get to that point that's when you know that you're in a good place for yourself and that's going to look different for every single person and that'll look different for a person who's experiencing multiple losses wherever they are at in their grief will determine will be determined by who they've lost if they've lost a brother and a sister and a mother yeah they're going to reach those places in their grief at different times yeah
0: and in different ways right that's really good actually i you know, I had a friend, um, a few years ago, she lost both of her parents, like in the span of a year maybe. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's been really hard for her. It's been, um, you know, her parents were, you el- were older and elderly, but I mean, it was just a real, str- it's still a struggle, you know, ever because she's like experiencing different waves of grief at different time for different, for each of her parents that, you know, right? so it's, um, I think sometimes it's, because we haven't experienced that depth of grief, it's sometimes hard for us to to minister and and care for people who are and that's why you know um
1: yeah well I mean yeah, frankly, I mean it's just sometimes you can't sometimes yeah, you can't do what you, you want can. to, you can't feel what they're feeling. I mean, the, right. Jeremy talked um, a lot in the last episode about empathy and how important that is. Empathy can be hard sometimes. And yeah. like, I just have to ask the Holy spirit, make me empathetic because uh, some of the grief I've seen and the, and the trauma and the situations that being a pastor has put me face to face with. i I cannot imagine being in that place. Yeah. And I'm asking the spirit, like uh, help me to, to, to understand how they're yeah. feeling. And, um, yeah. And I think the mindset of, okay, it, you need to get over it or eventually you should be moving on is, is I, I think Beth, what you say is important. You don't want to be stagnant. Um, you need to continue to live your life for the glory of God in, in a healthy way. You need to be mentally and emotionally and spiritually healthy. But there's also a sense that in some sense you'll, you're never going to get over losses. Like they're right. always going to be there. Um, there's always going to be that void of, of what you did have and now you don't have. And so, um, just understanding that, you know, gospel people should not expect you to get over it, um, but we should want to help you live your life to the glory of God and in, in a healthy expectation of eternity. That's good,
2: right? And I- even in the bereavement world, we say, you know, you don't get over the loss; you learn to get through the loss. You yeah. learn to live with the loss. Yeah. So you, you, I, I really don't
0: like that phrase because a lot of people yeah. think, oh, you're just going to get over it. Well, right. that's not the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so our next question is, um, is it okay to question God for the people and things that we've lost?
1: Yes, it is definitely okay to question God. Um, and and it, there's something that feels a little bit off about doing that. Um, I mean, Of Romans 9, uh, I think the, the wording is, who are you to answer back to God? Um, some translations even say, who are you to question God? Um, because, because of God's sovereignty and our finiteness. But... Um, but really what, what Paul's getting at in Romans 9 is God is sovereign. You cannot, in an attitude of um, disdain toward your creator, um, have this attitude of, I can do this better than you, right? You always have to have an attitude of worship, but you see a lot of really genuine worshipers in the Bible asking a lot of questions to God. Some of them sound really rude, by the way, um, like, like really hateful questions being posed to God. And... Um, and so I think there's just this raw emotion in the Bible. So Psalms 13 is is one I'm preaching on this week, and David says, uh, "Oh Lord, how long? Like how long are you gonna? Um, how long are you gonna stay away from me? How long are you gonna let yeah. these enemies rule over me? How long are you gonna do this? Like like he's getting impatient with God." Um, another one is uh, Habakkuk. I think it is Habakkuk and Jeremiah both ask really like. Uh, kind of disrespectful questions to God. One of them says, uh, Lord, are you going to forget us forever? Like implying that you have completely forgotten about us. Yeah. And it's like, of course the Lord hadn't forgot, but they're just being honest. Like, And, and I think there's something beneficial about this. If, if I deeply love someone, let's, let's take Amanda, for example. If I deeply love my wife and my wife does something that either I disagree with or I just don't understand, I, there's no world in which I'm not going to ask her her motivations or why she's doing that. And so if you deeply love God, if you love His will, if you love His gospel, and He does something that you don't understand, you're not sinning by asking why. Yeah. You're not sinning by questioning God's purpose. Um, you're just being in a good relationship with your God. Um, and so you don't have to even like what God does, but you, you just understand your place in God's plan, and then you just, you just be honest and transparent with your Creator.
2: Yeah, that's good. I think you can even view that from a relational standpoint as parents with children. Parents always want their children to come to them when they have questions and concerns over their friends or or other people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and if God is viewed as our Father, He wants us to come to Him with questions and concerns. He wants us to seek Him when we
0: are seeking information. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's good. Okay,
0: we have two more questions. So, um, the next one is um and will, you can kind of you can kind of answer this one, and then Beth can give any um any additional information if she wants or additional answer. What is a healthy way for a pastor to deal with grief? While trying to minister to others, what is a biblical and healthy way for pastors to be there for families while taking care of their own grief and mental health? And um, I think the situation with this was um, a pastor was actually um, in charge of funeral services for a family mm-hmm. member, <coughs> yeah, um, and kind of, um, you know, kind of just was numb and didn't yeah. experience his own grief and go through his own grieving process along with his family.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think. Um so, first of all, just outside of preaching a funeral, I think that a, a, every pastor needs to acknowledge that you are a human. You're not a Superman type of individual. Um, so, you're going to grieve. And then also, even situations that you're not personally connected to are going to cause you to grieve. Um, so, I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, one thing that, that I've done is I've gone to funeral homes and I've said, please put me on a list of when people come in and they don't have a pastor that somebody dies and they don't have any they hadn't expected it they don't have anyone to preach a funeral like call me i want those funerals um and there have been times that i've really regretted doing that because it it throws you in you know like some of the craziest situations and things and um so i've done a lot of like funerals for drug overdoses children suicides um where where families are not believers and they, they really just they don't they don't they don't have the gospel hope that we have. Yeah. And and so that takes a toll on you personally. And if I don't have an outlet to talk about dealing with those things, then that's going to put me in an, a mentally unhealthy place where I'm not going to be able to help anybody. Um, because I'm not going to be healthy myself. It, like, it's like Jesus said, it's the blind leading the blind at that point. And so I've got to make sure that I've got an outlet for grief, that I'm talking to my pastors, um, about the things that I'm dealing with, the heavy weight of a fallen world, the tragedy that we see, that sort of thing. Now, um, transitioning to plugging ourselves in to a personal situation, I, that's, that can be tricky. So, um, I preached my grandfather's funeral recently, just last month, and, um, and I wasn't super close to my grandfather, so it was a little bit easier um, but but still it's, it's my grandfather and so right. there's there's an acknowledgement that I'm family. this is going to be more difficult than the typical funeral uh, for me. But, um, but there I think there are times that I need to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to preach the funeral. Absolutely. Because yeah. because I just don't think that I'm in a place to do it. Now, um, with my grandfather last month, I felt like I could, and, and I, by God's grace, I felt like I, I, you know, did justice to the gospel, presented everything well. I, I, I pray that I was comforting to the rest of my family. Um, but there was, uh, when my other grandfather passed, I was a lot closer to him, and um and, and I spoke at that funeral and I, and I just like, I couldn't even get through a couple sentences with, and and so it's just, um, it just depends on your life experiences, different things like that. And, um, but if you are going to preach a funeral for someone you're, you're really close to, um, I think, I think you do have to take some time to grieve definitely, um, talking to someone. Um, so I I talked to pastor Jeremy about my grandpa before I went in to preach his funeral. Um, So in a sense, like having that emotional release for yourself before you step into a room to comfort other people. That's good. That'd be the best advice I could give. And then just knowing sometimes you just need to say, that's not, that's not something I should do.
0: That's not, uh, I think it's even okay to say, that's not some, something that I can do because yeah. I am too close to the situation. Yeah, you know, my family was super gracious
1: with me. They were like, we'd love for you to do this, but if, if you're not yeah. comfortable with it, then Yeah, yeah y- it.
0: Jason had a similar situation where his uh, grandpa passed away this past, mm-hmm. and this past, uh, in the last month, and, um, like, he, he just... Couldn't, you know, yeah. he couldn't do it and that's right. totally understandable right. and uh, wasn't expected of him because of right. the closeness of their relationship and stuff so Beth do you have um, do you have anything else to say like um, you know Will said it perfectly you know pastors have to realize they're human and they're going to have all these feelings and emotions and stuff um, but do you have anything different to say about that as pastors ministering well I think it's important that, that pastors practice self-care A lot because there's a
2: lot of pressure and a lot of a lot of emotional turmoil placed upon them because they're the head of the church and the congregation, you know, kind of feels like we have to direct all of our issues towards him or her. And, you know, it's important for them to be able to acknowledge "I, I can't do this or I'm not comfortable doing this and for them to practice self care by whatever means, you know, they use, which, you know, could be like fishing, hunting, any of those activities that you enjoy outside of being a pastor, you know, making sure to replenish yourself emotionally and and take that time alone to reflect and think and and not have the weight of the congregation on your shoulders in that moment, because it it can probably feel like that a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you lead a church.
1: And this is why, like, a good, like, healthy view of God's sovereignty is important for for gospel ministry because when people sit down in my office and they're and they're dealing with grief I'm not their helper ultimately. I mean God might use me in some way, but like I'm pointing people to Jesus. Yeah. Like, and and that's and that, like God's sovereign we're we're sinful and and we need to remind one another that like our hope is in Christ, not in a pastor, not in not in a, a counselor. And and by God's grace those people really help us Reorient our minds and our hearts to where they ought to be, and so they they are beneficial. But ultimately, our hope is in Jesus, and so like that, I think that's something we need to re- remember in in the midst of grief.
0: So, did you just um, tuck away what Beth said to you all ago? That you know, self care and fishing. She kind of looked at you when she said it. She said, "Fishing yeah. first. How does that make you feel?
1: I love that. I yeah, mean, it gives she's me- just
0: kind of give you additional. Yeah, it means um, I can
1: take I can take fishing and not plus count it. Said it, right? I can take it it's not self-care. as a day off. It's self-care, yeah, it's self-care right? right? So when I go fishing, I'm not off the clock. That's that's my job.
0: Right?
2: But you yeah. can you can tell your wife this is self-care. I have oh, to go, go.
0: fishing. <laughs> I'm going to.
1: I'm going to go, go in the Tell woods your and shoot members, stuff, "Hey, I need your boat. This is
0: self-care." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you I'm going to hold on to that. Hold
0: on to that. Take that one away. Yeah. Go for it. Um okay, so we're at the last question and um then I wanted to kind of, um, I, re- I saw something and I wanted to kind of write it down like coping with grief during the holidays. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But we'll do our last question and um, then we'll get to that. So, is it normal for us to become numb or um, immune to certain things we go through in the, in the present because of pain and grief we may have experienced in the past? If we just shrug it off and we want to keep going on and moving forward, even if it seems cold or unsympathetic. so what y'all think
1: Uh, is it normal to become numb yes um i think um the more the more that loss is experienced the more that trauma is seen um it it is it is expected and natural for us to begin to kind of shut down uh whether that's you know because of our personalities or you know has to do with the limbic system or whatever it may be um i I think that is normal but i think for a christian we need to fight that we need to fight that numbness because we need to be very real in a sense of um every tragedy ought ought to have deep implications on us And, and so like i mean this is jesus we serve a we serve a savior who who became human um to save humans, right? And so Jesus came, he he felt emotions, he went to funerals. Um, the Jewish culture was that if there weren't people to show up at a funeral, they would like hire people to come in and just weep with people. So yeah. there was this communal effort that we're going to, we're going to weep together. And so like Jesus stepped out of heaven and into that. And so I think we need to do the same thing. We can't just re- have this idea of like escapism that we're going to remove ourselves, um, whether physically or mentally from situations and so like um, I'm the police chaplain from Milton PD and, and like this is one of the things that we're kind of always on guard with with first responders that you know they see a lot of accidents and death and things like that that they don't become just totally numb to death that that it ought to impact them it ought, it ought to bring about emotions in them and so um, just making sure that we talk about those things and if, if you are feeling some numbness just asking the Holy Spirit to help and I, I mean I will, I will admit that it it, it is easy for me to become numb to that. And probably for you too, Beth, that, that you deal with so much death and, and it's your job to counsel people through that, that as you deal with that, sometimes it can feel like, um, and I mean this in no disrespect, but it, sometimes it may feel like just another funeral or just another counseling session. And I've really – and that's sinful on my part, and I've really got to ask the Holy Spirit, like, help me to not view it that way. You know what I mean? So
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I feel like uh, people – in professions like what we have counselors therapists pastors those that are designed to help lead people to the right path we need to practice self-care and it's okay for us to reach out for help as well that's that's one thing i really do love about hospice of huntington for all of its employees they offer um counseling for them because it it is a lot Mm -hmm. as a bereavement counselor to take on the the pain and the suffering of every person that i meet so i need to have that outlet you know of someone to talk to that will
0: understand so that's um that's a good question too Um, so like when do you know that you should seek a bereavement counselor like should everybody see one if they've experienced grief or is there a place in your grieving process where if you're still numb and you can't kind of move forward, that's when you should get help. What are your th- well, generally speaking, uh when you come to bereavement
2: counseling, we would like for you to be at a place where you feel like you can move forward or like you want to move forward. If you're not ready to move forward, we can still see you, and absolutely we would love to see you. but you know your process in the in the grieving process will be determined by if you feel numb or if you're ready to start addressing those emotions so if you're not ready we're not going to be able to move forward the way that we would like to but at any point in time in the grieving process we'd love to see anyone so there's no bad time to to ask for help to seek help from anyone a pastor from god from a counselor whoever it may be there there's no bad time to say i need help and i really would like someone to help me Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think um I think I, I don't know that I'd go so far as to say every single case you should see a bereavement counselor but I think that it, certainly I think every death warrants uh, talking with someone whether and that could just be people in your family I don't know but yeah. I, I I do think that as humans we are we are emotive and we are relational and it, yeah. if we don't if we don't talk about uh, loss that we've experienced then it, it will lead to serious uh, emotional and mental damage.
0: Yeah. That's good. Okay, let's. Um, I I found a few little like um, things that are like coping mechanisms for grief during the holidays, and um, I'll kind of read these. And if you all want to add to it or just speak more on one of them, that's fine. You can interrupt me if you want. Um, talk about your grief. Don't worry about bringing anyone down. You're allowed to grieve and talk about it. Um, create boundaries with your time. If you need to take some time off for yourself, do it. Um, find a way to honor them start a new tradition that honors their memory Um, set realistic expectations you know you're expected to love and miss your loved one um, and it's okay um, to have those feelings and to even experience like anger or um, you know even negative feelings also you have to have room for um, those realistic expectations allow yourself to feel all of your feelings resentment and anger are normal Practice self-care. Check in with your uh, check in with yourself on a regular basis and meet meet those needs that need to be met.
1: That's great advice. I I um I think it is it is healthy to to take certain steps, and it's different for everybody. But like um, I think I think I'd be, be okay to share this. If not, you we can edit it out. But Jason told me that um, that after you all had miscarried, that you guys sponsored a child. Like, yes. And I thought that was so cool. And such a good way to just just honor um, yeah. that life you know by, by doing that and I, I was like man that that's um, that's just so healthy and good and, and I wish I wish more people would see that that um, that, that that's a healthy step in the grieving process yeah. to do those things and so like raising awareness of this um, talking to you Beth is helpful and I, I hope that uh, through talking about this we are helping people see that there are some steps you can take to to honor memory to to move forward um, not get over it, but to move forward, you know, get that tattoo or, you know, uh, sponsor, sponsor that child or whatever it may be.
0: It's like what you said earlier, whatever makes you feel good. Whatever makes you feel good. That's right. Whatever makes you feel good. No, that's good. You have anything else, Beth? Um, I just want to say
2: the the overarching theme of the grief journey is really just to make meaning from the loss. However, you are able to do that. And I think that, when you sponsored a child, that was a a wonderful way to, to kind of do that, um, to kind of bring the positive light out of such a, such a negative situation that could be such a hurtful time, time, but you were able to, you know, shine light on something
0: from that. Yeah. So, um, I'll just kind of talk about that for a second. We, um, so we, um, we were really, um, I had worked with family Christian and I was aware of world vision and that was, um, an organization that does, you know, it's an organization that does sponsorships. Um, so we, um, after, after we had had some time, um, after our loss, um, when it was getting close to like when the baby's due date would have been, we, um, found a kid that had the same birthday as what our due date was. Um, and that was really important for us to kind of, um, to not replace that loss, but to kind of, um, you know, to us that kind of felt like fill in the void of that loss. Um, and it was able to, we were able to help somebody else in that loss and the, the meaning of it. So mm-hmm. it's been actually, it's been so good for us. I mean, we still sponsor that child. Um, well, we actually don't still sponsor that child. He moved to a different village and they gave us a different child, yeah. but we're still doing a sponsorship, right. a sponsorship. Um, and you know, to, to remember that, to remember our loss and, um, but it's it's been really good for us to be able yeah, to do that. And that's it, great. So, um, Beth, tell us about um, Tell us where people can find resources about um, bereavement counseling through hospice, and um, tell us how they can get a hold of you guys if they want to reach out to you all.
2: Well, um, you can certainly go to our website, which is hospiceofhuntington.org, dot um, org, for information on bereavement services. You could call the office. Um, Three zero four five two nine four two one seven, and you let's see Facebook Facebook yes we're on social, social media now we're having more and more of a presence on social media um, so I mean really you could just walk on in you know ask to talk to somebody and, and I'll talk to you I mean it's really not a, a really stuffy kind of situation where you have to schedule months in advance or anything like that. No,
0: I, um, I loved it. So um, I called um, Martha Persinger. Um, she's a co-worker of yours. Yes. And um, I reached out to her, gosh, probably last, I think it was last Thursday or Friday. I was home um, with my little boy who was sick and... Um, she said okay I'm going to try to give your information to somebody today and like I put my phone down after I talked to her and stuff and then you know was doing something with him and like you called me and left me a message probably not even 20 minutes later um, so I love that um, you are very quick to respond and I don't think you even knew all the um, <laughs> all the circumstances of um, of why I was reaching out to somebody but uh, I love that you were so quick to call and um, it seems like you guys are so um, kind of the The coworkers that you all have are trying to everybody's trying to step in and help each other out right now just because it's the holiday season. And it's busy and well, we're actually like workers. that year round. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love Hospice that Hospice
2: of Huntington is just a, a fantastic place to work. I've never enjoyed uh where I work more so than when I'm there. Everyone's like a family. It's it's not like being at work because yeah. we all love to be there and we all love the purpose that we serve and we just all get along so great and. And our CEO, Melanie, she's just fantastic. She's very personable. I mean, I could go talk to her just as easy as I could talk to somebody that's outside on the street. You know, I mean, just,
0: I mean, there's. There's not that disconnect from well, the boss and employee. I think that's one of the reasons why I love hospice so much. Like any any nurse or any any receptionist, anybody that I've ever encountered through hospice, like they are very loving and they make you feel like you're a part of the family and they become a part of your family in the in the grieving and the you know in that care for your family member and um, that's something that I've always loved about hospice. So, anybody else have anything to say?
1: I would just say, um, you you know, talk to your church, um, whether you're yeah. part of new heights or, or you, maybe you go to another church and you listen, but, um, yeah, if, uh, even if, if you just like, I can't remember, uh hospice's e- or email address or website or whatever like yeah. just talk to somebody in your church and and your pastors i'm sure would love to help you yeah, uh, get good. connected with bereavement counseling if that's needed um just talk to someone i think i think the theme of of these episodes is we don't want people silently suffering right. and um, that's good. It's, you've got to let people know if you're really struggling
0: yeah, that's good. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I, I, I'll be honest, sometimes I don't remember what I listened to or who it was that said it or anything. It's hard to tell what I was even listening to. But um, something that I love that they said was, um, if I can't help you with what you're struggling with or what your need is, then I will know someone in the church who will know how to help you. Um, right. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, if you know, If somebody reaches out to you and you can't help them, don't just like don't let it in there. Like right. say, Hey, I can't help you. And I'm not, where I'm not good at this, but I know somebody who can help you and, you know, try to, try to encourage them to talk to somebody else or reach out to one of the pastors. And you know, that it may even be the pastor that says, Hey, I can't help you, but I know somebody who can. Um, and I think that's, uh, important to remember. So, right. All right. We even kind of um,
2: address that in the counseling world in bereavement. If we are discussing grief, but we realize that you have other issues going on besides grief, we will make sure to refer you to someone that can help you better than we can. Yeah. Because we're we're designated really just for grief, but we have references and and resources for everyone, no matter what their issues are or what they're going through in life. And we try to utilize that and, and get them really the
0: best help that we can possibly find for them. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Beth, for um, taking time out today um, to just come and be with us. I, I can speak for myself and Pastor Will that we've learned a lot about the services that you guys offer. Um, and we're actually really looking forward to just you know making sure we recommend people to you and using you guys as a partner um, where we can come alongside you guys and help, um, hopefully help some people who are hurting, who are dealing with loss and grief. So thank you so much for being here today to talk with us. Well, thanks for having me.